You guys, I had so much fun talking to the delightful Kay Anderson of the Lost Spaces podcast, which on its surface is about queer spaces of the past, but deep down is about how those places were such a huge part of our lives back when it was particularly hard to, you know, be loudly and proudly you out in the world. He's just delightful, damn it, and his show is great, and it was an honor to be included on it. And he is such a doll that he's allowed me to just shove his whole episode, his whole interview with me, right up the keister of this episode. So there's still going to be a little break for a Podcast Pals promo. And of course, you're still getting your second shot of the Year of the Saints, which is a damn good one this week, I gotta say. But settle in and get ready to learn some stuff about me. Because it was just so wonderfully, wonderfully trashy. Hello, I am Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there, and the people that they used to know. This week, I am talking to Amelia, co-host of the podcast, Amelia and Pitney's Bitchin' Boutique. They may be awful, but they are right. Actually, I'm not really sure if I agree that they are both awful or right, but it's how they describe themselves on their show, so we're just going to go with it for the time being. We are talking all about the Austin club, The Crossing. Now, this is one of those situations where, because the club existed before the internet did, there is no information about this venue online, which is kind of weird considering all of the crap that you can find online, but it's also a nice little reminder of the importance of this project to document people's memories and the spaces where they happened. We talk all about letting go of toxic friends, the flouncing, bouncing, flaccid dick dance of male strippers, and one of my all-time favorite subjects, the universal appeal of scuzzy, grotty, dirty nightclubs. Wherever, wherever the queer people were, that was where I wanted to be. Uh, Whether or not I considered myself particularly queer at the time, because I'm like 98% straight anyway, but <laughs> I'm queer enough that that's just where I wanted to go. So the 2%, is that like a toe? <laughs> you a know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's something that it's, it's taken almost my whole life to kind of define. Because when I was younger... I had this theory that, and it, and and I recognized that this was me sort of almost like doing an entire anthropological study in my head based entirely on my own experience and never once asking another person a question, but just making an assumption about all of society, about how sexuality worked. I really thought that because in society, American society in particular, that women are so sexualized like in media and whatever that you know boobs sell everything and and that mm -hmm. everything is so geared towards women as sex objects i really thought that i had been conditioned to have a sexual response to women ah. even though i was straight it didn't occur to me 
that it wasn't just this conditioning thing. I just thought I was just being affected by the world around me and that it wasn't something internal. And I just assumed it was everybody, Mm -hmm. which is a really unscientific way of doing things. And that's not, you know, I mean, I have, I have a, I have a bachelor's degree in anthropology. You'd think I, at some point I would have thought that maybe talking to other people would have been a good idea to at least, you know, (laughs) try to support my hypothesis with some data would have been a good idea. (laughs) How would that conversation go? Like, Oh, you like her boobs too, right? Yeah. You know, something (laughs) it's like, so like, you're not into women, but you still think about them a lot, right? Or I don't know, just, and it's not like it's something that's like super pervasive, but it's not like it's not there. Mm. It's almost like I have an attraction to women in an almost asexual way. Like I've never gone there because it never occurred to me that it was anything more than just this thought that popped into my head every once in a while. That was a conditioning thing. It never occurred to me to, well, just see what you think. Even though I was always, I was always getting hit on by women. I was always seeing women that I was just like, wow, never even consider it. And, and so when did you go, oh, hang on. It really, was, it really wasn't that long ago. Ah, like, so just before this call then? Yeah, like about 10 minutes ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's only been within the last few years. I'm, I'm, ah. It's going to sound really weird, but I'm not sure I've actually talked about it to my husband. Hi, Amelia's husband, if you're listening. Hi, honey. <laughs> what you, mm. I mean, like, it doesn't affect anything because of, I'm married yeah, to him and I'm not going anywhere. But it's but it's one of those things that it's like, huh. Okay, but so like help me understand this a bit more. So yeah. as someone who is strictly dickly and mm-hmm. has never thought about women in that way, right. is it like it's a it's a warm fire in your belly rather than a burning loin? Yeah, it's it's not like <laughs> it's not romantic. I okay. wouldn't say it's a falling in love feeling. It's like I can't imagine anything past some good making out. Like there's certain women that it's just like, okay, I could, I could go, I could go there. Okay. I could maybe go there. I can't go there as I point downward above the waist. I don't know. Like I can't, there's just like, there's like certain things that I can be like, okay, I can, uh, I could go there. But are you not like, like breasts are fine, right? But the vagina like is so interesting. Oh, it is. Like I'm not repulsed by my own. <laughs> no, but like they are so different from each other. Oh my god, yeah, they're fascinating. You never just like, wow, I want to explore. They're really, I mean, and a few years ago, I actually became especially fascinated by vaginas because um I got really upset towards like the end of 2018. I got really I just kind of got generally upset probably related to something Gwyneth Paltrow did. I'm I'm guessing probably <laughs> kicked that off. Damn you, Gwyneth. Oh, she just, some days I just want to smack. And, and sometimes she'll be like really good in a movie. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck you. It's like, I, I don't like it when you're a good actress. I don't want to respect you in any way. I, I just want to be angry props. with you all the time. Yes. <laughs> Can't I just hate you? Just full cloth. But so like she, when, when women, just don't get how their junk works and they just are stupid about it. And like, they'll just shove stuff up there thinking, <laughs> Oh, I'll just stick parsley in there. I, I heard that's good for it or, or, or whatever. Wait, what does this got to do with Gwyneth Paltrow? She- <laughs> well, Gwyneth Paltrow was like the Jade egg nonsense and steaming your oh. vagina because she's one of those people. The, okay. the wellness community crap. <gasps> okay, well, can we just segue quickly to talk about yeah. sunning your asshole? Oh, oh, God. Have you heard about this? Yes. I just, like, what? Like, how does it make a difference? I do not get it. I mean, I... <sighs> so for anyone who's listening who does not know about this, there is a theory that if you expose your asshole to sunshine for 30 seconds... Yeah, it's only thirty seconds. It will like change your life, fill you with power and energy. Like, yeah, I mean, I have been someone who got a horrible, horrible sunburn at a nude beach. Like, there are parts of your body <laughs> when when they see the sun for the first time, they might not react the way you want. Are you saying you're just like me and you burn in thirty seconds? 
I am pale blue. I am absolutely a pale blue person. I am just veins. Yeah. I, I'm, I am definitely one of those people that whenever I have to give blood or whatever, like people, they get so excited. They're just like, oh, your veins are great. I'm like, yeah, you can take blood from anywhere on me. I, Palms on oh, my hands, anywhere you want. I get that as well. I get that as well. Like, oh, this yeah. is easy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Anywhere you want. But yeah. So this sunning of an asshole thing, like, do yeah. you get it at all? The, there's there's a point to which I just there's there's so many people I just want to smack the shit out of them like I just I mean there's coming up with an idea there's just okay the first person to come up with the idea okay good for you you know but then you go then you go do it and you're convinced it did something great then you go tell your buddy and now the next thing you know you're on the internet posting a picture <laughs> with your legs in the air and then now there's like a hundred. Oh yeah, but that picture it. that I posted had nothing to do with the sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Well the, the, well, the thing about the vagina thing was that I got so annoyed by hearing just these crazy stories about women like just harming themselves because they don't understand their own bits mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. all, and just like giving themselves horrible infections or just doing terrible things in the name of wellness or whatever. And I just, I declared 2019 the year of the vagina. And I started doing every segment, every show that year, I did a little short segment about vaginas and vulvas and whether it's a news story or just, hey, here's a little, here's something you didn't know about the clitoris or whatever. And I learned things. I mean, you know. Did you write poetry to the vaginas? No, but I did at the my, the last segment of the year. I actually, um, I wrote a song. I, I wrote oh. uh, I wrote a little song to the tune of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer <laughs> about snooches. Yeah. And okay. So my only follow-up question here is, am I pronouncing clitoris wrong? Should I be saying clitoris? Oh, I think, I think it's either way. Or is that an American thing? I think I pronounce it both ways. I think it just depends on okay. whatever okay, comes right, out of my cool, mouth cool. at the time. I mean, I don't bring it up in conversation very often, so I don't really need to worry too much about it, but I just wanted to make sure. Right. Anyway, sorry. So let's go then to The Crossing, if, oh, if indeed yes. that was the name of the club. I swear to God it was. <laughs> Are you able to tell me about the first time that you went there? Do you remember? You know... I don't know if I can pinpoint the exact first time, but I do know that when I went there, I'd gone to other gay clubs before and they were a little more, uh, I don't want to say typical gay clubs. Clean? But like, yeah. <laughs> a little more neon-y, a little more... Shiny. Shiny, you know, a little, a little more sparkly. And, I mean, because I think anything that was a gay bar automatically felt like, you know, ooh, fun. And then it was like... I'd get in there and I might not feel welcome. Like there mm -hmm. was a place, I, I think, God, I think it may be one of the places that's still around in Austin from back then called Oil Can Harry's. And there's actually several of them in Texas. I don't know if it's a chain or owned by the same people, but at least the one in Austin, it was the place where like the straight acting gays would go. It was like the respectable gay bar. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was like the gay bar that straight people knew about. Like the mm -hmm. rest of them, nobody seemed to be aware of them. It's like, oh, well, of course you don't know about the seedy places, but you know about oil can Harry's. <laughs> but oil cans was like the kind of place where and I totally get the, hey, this is our place. This isn't for you. I get it. You know, like I was saying before, I don't necessarily want to be around straight women either, but like <laughs> a, a bachelorette party showing up is going to ruin my evening too. You know, I, I get, I totally get that. And that's the kind of place that like a bachelorette party would think they have the right to go to. Mm -hmm. So if they see me and they don't know me, I get it. It doesn't mean they have the right because I'm following my friend through the crowd to casually gesture in such a way that they just sort of lightly burn me with their cigarette as I walk by. Not cool. No. But I was young enough and doormatty enough that I just sort of brushed ash off my arm and kept walking. I was not going to be confrontational about that sort of thing. And I think part of it was because I knew that, yeah, this is your place. I mean, eventually I would only go there if, say, because, you know, there would be like amateur strip night. And if like someone we knew was going to strip and it was like, okay, well, we should at least go cheer for them or something, <laughs> you know. And the only time I ever 
had a really positive experience there was I had this I had this one year where I was determined I wanted to know what a Brandy Alexander tasted like. And you have to find an old bartender to get one of those. And I I would just every bartender in every bar I went to, I would just find the oldest bartender in the place and ask them if they knew how to make one and they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But there was this old queen at, at oil cans who did know how to make one and wasn't as good as I was hoping. But, you know. So what is a Brandy Alexander? I need to look this up. It's And why I, did you have I, I it just, in your head that you needed one? I just, it's a very 70s kind of a drink. Maybe a 60s or 70s kind of drink. It's like, I just mainly remember, it's got brandy and cream in it. Cognac. Yeah. Brandy, oh, okay. Those kinds of cocktails just kind of fascinate me a bit. And I, I, I'm fascinated by the kind of cocktails that are like, oh, well, this is the kind of thing a woman would drink because it doesn't taste like alcohol. I'm fascinated by, let's combine all these different kinds of alcohol and then it magically turns into something else. Because sometimes that does happen and and that's that's like, you know, the first time I ever actually kind of got really tipsy in public. The first time I had a Colorado Bulldog and I almost fell off a bar stool. That was Colorado at the Colorado Bulldog? <laughs> oh, I don't know any of these. It's kind of like a white Russian. It's very similar to a white Russian. Okay. Okay, well, that's not what we're here to talk about. Sorry. I'm just no, I know. <laughs> the following is brought to you courtesy of the No Phony Podcast Network, home of independent awesomeness. of this fantastic show. My name is Melissa, and I am the host of the Brook Reading Podcast. Each week, I read and review a book from all across the genres and provide you with summaries, author information, movie adaptations, and relevance in history and society. I also meet and interview new authors and review their works as well. Many times, though, I go off on tangents, make up a brand new segment, or rant about something that's currently pissing me off. <laughs> You can listen to Brook Reading on all of the podcatchers, and don't forget to visit www.brookreadingpodcast.com for expanded information, as well as all of the social medias. The Brook Reading Podcast is a proud member of the No Phony Podcast Network. <laughs> so then, going back to the very top of our conversation, you... You made the statement that you don't associate with the people that you used to go to this club with. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of yeah. fascinated about about this. So Pitney is the one constant in all of this. He was the person that you went to that club with the group of people. Yeah. Who were the other people? Some of them, well, there, there were people that we met there. So that there was, you know, a lot of it was that. Some of it just has to do with the fact that we just kind of stopped going out as much. Some of it has to do with the fact that Pitney moved away from Austin and moved to San Antonio. Me being an old married lady for a long time, so I had stopped going out. But but even before all that, some people that we were hanging around with back then, we we got to a point where we realized that we were friends with people who didn't deserve us. If that makes sense, one of the one of the people back then that was a guy that we actually met at that particular club. And we used to be there with him a lot was um, someone that we eventually he eventually kind of became a character on our show. And, and we we decided to refer to him only as the worst person in the world. Um, so how do you feel about him? Do you, you still like him? You don't like him? <laughs> oh, he is utter, <laughs> utter human garbage. Um, the first story we ever told about him on the show was that uh one time he was out at the bar and he ran into a guy that he hadn't seen in a few years. You know, like when there's someone that you used to see every weekend and then they kind of disappear for a while and then they come back out and they look very, very thin and frail and you haven't seen them in a while. And his reaction to seeing this guy was to tell him he looked like shit. Well, his friend 
took this guy aside and, and said, um, yeah, I'm going to have to ask you to apologize because he's dying. The reason why you haven't seen him in a while is because he has AIDS and he's dying and he felt good enough to come out tonight. And he's really, you know, you're an mm -hmm. asshole and maybe mm -hmm. you might want to apologize to him. And his response to that was, I'm not going to apologize to him. He does look like shit. And, and besides, uh, he was a slut and he deserves it. But even more amazing than that, the reason why I know this story, because I was not there the next morning, he called me to tell me that story. But the way he told me was as if he was proud about it. Oh man. That was amazing. And that was like a moment where, and it made me kind of look back over years of knowing this guy and going, oh my God, he's kind of always been this awful. But it's just these little moments of the sort of letting people get away with things and then realizing like, oh my God, some people really are garbage. Mm. And a bunch of us reached the point of, oh my God, fuck that guy all at the same time. And we actually, a bunch of us called each other because we were all like sort of at different times hearing this story. We had a meeting. We met at a restaurant to discuss how the fuck are we going to get rid of this guy? Because we have like a social circle and he's part of it. And how are we going to remove him if like the four of us just don't want to see him anymore? How are we going to do you, this? So, okay. So this meeting, did you have post-it notes? Did you have plans? How, how was, did you approach this? It was so hilarious that it was nearly that formal. I mean, we... We all converged on a restaurant and we just, it was like a couple of hours. Did you wear black sunglasses discussion. going in, hoping no one would see you? <laughs> it was so, it was, I mean, it was like some serious discussion. And we had a lot of discussion about, are we going to confront him? Mm -hmm. Do we just leave here and we all just drive and just bang on his door and just tell him he's a complete piece of shit and we're not... Or do we just stop answering the phone when he calls? Like, I mean, I got caller ID for the first, because this was in back when caller ID was an automatic thing. I got caller ID for the purpose of avoiding him, for not answering the phone when he called. So our decision was ultimately to just stop answering the phone when he called, just freeze him out. Because we realized after a long discussion that, I mean, this is going to sound really strange, but I mean, if someone is that bad and he tells that story with pride, that us telling him you are a terrible person, mm -mm. he's not going to understand what we're saying. We just realized it was going to be extremely traumatic for us to go through having to have that conversation and it's not going to do any good. And he's just going to end up convinced that we're just lying to him or something and then he's just going to go around telling everyone how awful we are, which ultimately he did. He made up all kinds of stories about why we weren't talking to him anymore. And so it wasn't like this gradual realization. It was just one day the blinkers came off. Yeah. But then looking back, it was the, oh my God, he's always been awful. Uh -huh. Like there would be these little things, things that were like tiny annoyances, but we just blow them off mm -hmm. and then going back and going, oh no, he's this bad all the time. <gasps> Isn't it fascinating what you put up with when you're younger? Like, I think I might oh, yeah. have gone too far the other way and now I'm just like, Ugh, what? You have soy milk with your coffee? No. <laughs> I'm a bit too extreme. <laughs> but like, yeah, just back then you're just like, yeah, I'll let that slide. I'll let that slide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple of years ago. Uh, it, like it, I'm days away from the anniversary of, of walking away from a, another long friendship with someone who... Wait, you don't m mark these occasions, do you? Well, this one just, it just happened to fall in a very... Part, part of it has to do with um, Facebook memories because it reminds me things come up and things just kind of connect. But after a year of this guy like throwing a tantrum and not speaking to me for a year, after like 12 years of a wonderful, perfect friendship... He got really weird with me the year my mother died. Like everything was wonderful. And then one day he just got weird and got mad. And then he didn't speak to me for a year. I went through like a year of horrible depression. Towards the end of it, I'm just like, okay, you know, he's just not going to speak to me again. It's like, it's fine. I'm over it. I'm fine. And then suddenly he just shows up back in my life again. And I immediately reverted to, oh yeah, he's back. 
like a like a little lap dog. Ah. And I, it was so weird. And I just totally took him back. That only lasted for two months. And then he got mad at me again for no fucking reason because I said I basically wished him a happy new year in a text. And how dare I? What? Because um, it was Easter or? No, it was, you know, he had gotten dumped by his girlfriend and he was sad. And I sent him an upbeat happy new year text and I was being disrespectful to his sadness. Oh, oh, I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. What, yeah. a, what an asshole I am. I'm such an asshole for doing that. Right. And yeah. Well, yeah, the first time he got mad at me and didn't speak to me for a year, it's because it was really cold out and he was wearing long pants and I acknowledged it. I'm such an asshole. Because he normally wears shorts. Yeah. He's one of those shorts guys. He's a shorts guy. I don't actually think I know any shorts guys. I mean, I don't live in the climate that's, you know. Yeah, you don't live down here. I mean, it's I, I'd known him for 12 habitat. years and I, it was the first time I'd ever seen him in big boy pants. Wow. And I'd seen him in cold weather before, but it was just like, it was the first time. And I just kind of made an, a comment. And, and the thing is, I knew him well enough to know why he dressed the way he dressed. Because he, he's, one of, you know, like some people have like, <laughs> like they're really... They're afraid really of trousers like physically sen- really physically sensitive to certain kinds of fabric and they don't like things to be tight and they want everything to be really loose and baggy and whatever part of the way he dressed he he wore clothes that were so enormous on him that he basically looked like a toddler even though he was like six foot three okay all right well i mean i don't have any follow-up questions not with that guy <laughs> it's, you know it's sad but the thing was that he but in, in a two-month period i went from immediately taking that guy back and I'm so glad he's back in my life and just being like moony eyed and ridiculous. And then two months later, he he just turns on me again and I immediately go, oh, you know what? No, fuck you. And I just, you know, uh. I established very strong boundaries in writing. I gave him copy. I gave him a copy in writing. That's how. But was it was it signed by a notary? I should was it have. official? It would've, that would have been, that would have been really good. That's the thing that's really fascinating to me about myself with friendships. Like I kind of get that friendships ebb and flow, right? And so like sometimes people kind of have enough of you and they don't really want to talk to you for a while and then they do want to talk to you again. And sometimes there are really petty reasons and sometimes you just kind of overlook it. But there's, there's some people where I'm just like, no, you've burnt that bridge no, yeah. let's not let's not be friends ever again. And then there are some people who could just like constantly do those things. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. Let's go meet up for a drink. And I just like, he's why? just silly. Am I he's so, just yeah. yeah. Like, and what is the reason? I just yeah, and I hate that with that like with that guy. I hate to think of myself that I give him a pass because he was pretty. Oh, but pretty. do you think that's what it is? I don't want it to be. But God, it probably fucking factors in there somewhere. I don't know. Well, yeah, because it's not going to be like one thing, is it? It's going to be like this combination of things. Right. But it's, yeah. I mean, just... friend, if we didn't have like, you know, a dozen years of awesome, great friendship and just hilarious and really good times and great conversations and, you know, loving that guy. I mean, a weirdo, you know, just a weirdo and a hard to fit. And yeah, he's going to have a hard time finding a girlfriend because he's so fucking weird, but he, but he's going to be great when he finally finds the one. He's going to be a great boyfriend to mm. somebody. But he, if he wants to be a 50 year old dressed like a toddler who throws a tantrum because someone says Happy New Year, you know, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, you know you- wish him the best, whatever, whatever's going on with him. But, you know, I don't talk to him anymore. Are there some unresolved things here, Amelia? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, some some of it is I have to keep reminding myself because I think I know that if he just suddenly showed up in front of me, there's this little part of me that probably would be like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Ah. Uh, so I have to keep reminding myself, no, he's an asshole. He was very mean to you. Oh, see, and I, I think this might be where it's different for me because I think potentially the reason that for some people I'm like, yeah, sure, let's be friends again. It's because I don't actually care that much about them. Like, you know, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like hurt when they disappear. I'm just like, oh, okay. They're not in my life at the moment. But there were some right. people that if they disappear, I'm like, oh my God, like this is a really bad thing. And then I want right. to punish them. So like when they come back, I'm like, no, I don't want to be your friend. And then like just completely burn that bridge. So maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, there's other people that they can come and go and I don't really fucking care. But like, yeah, but, yeah. but this one, 
there was, I mean, there was a lot of raw nerves because of just the way things went, you know, there was, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, oh my God, why did it, why did it hurt so bad? You know, but it also, the, I mean, the first part happened, you know, six months after my mother died. So I'm sure I was going through some shit already. Mm-hmm. And then he, knowing I was going through some shit decided, oh, I'm just going to stop talking to her for for a year. But you'd still take him back. I mean, there is there is this little part of me that still is like, I'm, you know, I'm sympathetic to what a crazy fucked up piece of crap he is. I don't know. Okay. But he's well, cute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that is not the moral of this bad, story. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> the saints. And today, we're going to back up in the calendar a little bit because January 19th was the feast day of St. Germanicus of Smyrna. Of course you've never heard of him. That's why we're doing this. So, Germanicus was a youth, a kid, who was arrested by the Romans, thrown to the lions, and, as the story goes, the lions refused to attack him, And he was all, come at me, bitch, because he was super brave and totally into being a martyr. So, you know, he died. And, you know, there are tons of saints who were thrown to the lions. Because the Romans really loved doing that. Like Saint Blandina of Lyon. Now, Blandina, I swear to God... I did not make up that name. And you are going to love this story. She was like 15 years old. And apparently, she pissed off Marcus Aurelius. So he had her tied to a stake and set the lions on her. And they wouldn't even touch her. Days she was tied to that stake, not getting eaten by lions. So the Romans tried to break her by making her watch her friends, all these other kids from Lyon who were captured and martyred, getting tortured to death. And she was like, is that all you got? So they whipped her. They put her on a red-hot grate for a while. And then they had a bull toss her around with his horns. And still, nope. So then the Romans were like, fuck it, and stabbed her with a knife. And even though her body was burned and her ashes chucked into a river, there is a church in Illinois called the Shrine of All Saints that I swear to God claims they have a relic of hers. No idea what they think they have. But considering she died almost 2,000 years ago, they have certainly done me an intrigue. Oh, and while I'm talking about Blandina, the baddest bitch who ever lived, you might as well know what she's the patron saint of. Servant girls, sure. Torture victims, natch. But brace yourselves. Those falsely accused of cannibalism. (laughs) Yeah. Suck on that, Germanicus of Smyrna. What else is there to talk about with the crossing? I was, you know, I was trying to think of, I mean, Pitney definitely had more skeezy, you know, memories of there, but I, (laughs) cause there was, there was always a lot of strippers and that, that was the place where I realized where if there were strippers, like if someone was bringing in like professional strippers into a gay bar, the likelihood was that those strippers were straight because if you had gay strippers in a gay bar, there was like some liability going p- potentially because like 
whoever was managing them might not have the ability to keep an eye on them. But you, and they but, might go off and go in the bathroom and make some extra money on the side or something. How is that a liability? Um, I think it's just, it's just, you know, this was a long time ago. But that was one <laughs> of the weird things that I definitely experienced in there because it there was always like just maybe a handful of women in there. And when it would be, you know, stripper night, usually if there's a guy stripping, I just find it funny. I usually do oh, not yeah, find yeah. it attractive. It's comical at best. Like, I talk to Penny, like, about, he'll talk about, like, you know, like a really good looking dick. And I'm like, I, I just, I don't get really excited about. Like, sometimes I don't, like, like, maybe I'm not as into guys. Maybe I'm not as into guys as he is. I don't know. I just, it's like, it has to be attached to a person. And I don't want to look at it. Okay, I, but, I have no okay. desire to look at okay, it. Okay, all right. Okay, so you don't appreciate a good-looking dick, but can you spot a really terribly ugly dick? Oh, I've, yeah, I've seen, yeah. There's, de- oh, yeah. So it's not like you've got penis blindness, like face blindness. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, I can certainly see it, but, like, it doesn't need to look a certain way. Like, I dated a guy who really... He really should have been in porn. Like, I mean, it was like, get that thing away from me. It was enormous. It was like the size of my arm. It was ridiculous. And I only dated him for a very short time. I mean, we didn't even do all that much because part of me was like... Terrified. uh, Yeah. (laughs) It was certainly nice to look at. But but it was also kind of pointless because it was like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. He was one of the one of those rare know. guys that like yeah he should just be naked all the time. I mean, you know, you, most... would, you're you're just you're just contradicting yourself. But it's it's, it's but it's very rare. It's so this, very okay. So every now and then you're like yeah that's a good dick, but most of the time you're like meh, could take a leave it. But the thing is that I also wasn't with him for a long time. Like I mean, you weren't you weren't dignitized, is what you're trying to say. No, no. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't worth keeping around. Well, yeah, yeah, it should never be the primary thing. But, like, if it's a no. good one and you're like, hmm, yeah, like, that, you know, that's a nice But But I also, I also didn't have much use for it. Like, I just, it didn't... Um, You've heard of poppers, right? Part of, part of me was like, oh, I'm sorry, you want to you wanna put what, where? I mean, part of me was kind of, was kind of, you know, oh, look how small my hands look. I mean, it was kind of really, it was very strange. But like when a stripper, I mean, there's something so funny about a stripper because the flaccid bouncing yeah. dick dance that strippers yeah. do is so funny to me. And they're just, they're, they're doing the acting of the being turned on, but clearly they can't really be turned on because we can, we can all tell you're not. And they're in a room full of guys and they're not into that, but they'll spot the one woman in the room and they have to pretend they're not looking at her or whatever. And, but there was... There were two main strippers that I remember from there. Well, apart from just like this one homeless dude that we, every time this guy, he, he went by the name Wildfire and he was like this kind of stoner, this like homeless stoner dude. And that guy would always win because everyone was just so, he was so pathetic and weird. And we were just like, yay, we loved him. He was so like, oh, give him all the beers. But, um... There was this one guy who would just try to get my attention so hard. And one night I was at one of the back bars and he was on like like one of the go-go platforms kind of a situation. And he thought it would be cute to, with one foot on the go-go platform and the other one on the bar. So that he's like, his dick is like near my face. I'm like, yeah, really? I'm talking to my friend here. Like he's like between, he gets between me and my friend. He starts like trying to pull, like pulling the front of his G string out. Like I'm going to look down there and I just reached into my glass and took out several ice cubes and I just dropped them right down the front of his G string. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what you're getting. Cool off. Get away from me. What what the hell are you doing? I, I, can we, I, I've been in bars (laughs) where there has been straight (laughs) strippers and a predominantly gay audience and it's so weird. Like you 
agreed to this gig like you knew what you were doing you knew you were coming to strip in a gay bar like right. can't you just kind of flirt with the men here why are you zoning oh in on the women and trying to be like super hetero because like right. that just kills the fantasy that like there right. is no fantasy i just don't get the mindset like why why do you have to prove your heterosexuality here of all places yeah and there was the other stripper that i have actually have fond memories of he at least had the decency i mean he at least would he went to to the trouble of acting very well and being flirtatious and whatever but then he would just sort of like walk past me and whisper something in my ear and then go up and get on the little the thing and dance for a while and then he'd come over and say something to me and go back and one night when we decided that oh well we're gonna we're gonna leave together but we weren't going to leave together because he was Aww. like, no, I'm going to walk out and I want you to walk out like a couple minutes after because I don't want them to see you walk out with me. He's like, because, you know, I'm working. And I was just like, yeah, that's totally fine. And then I walked out and he was actually outside and he had his car parked across the street at the liquor store in the parking lot across the street. Now, of course, we didn't go anywhere. We basically, I just like gave him a blowjob in his car in the parking lot of a liquor store across the street from the crossing. But oh, romance. I know. But it was, you know, <laughs> l'amour. But he was very pretty. He was very pretty. I mean, for me to just give someone a blowjob, which that's generally, I'm, you know, if that's all that's going to happen, they'd have to be pretty fucking pretty. <laughs> Because that's, that's generally not, oh, if that's all that's going to happen, eh, I'll pass. But, <laughs> but, hang, but hang on, you're, you're not like negotiating beforehand. Like, so what's happening now? Oh, no, I'm not interested by it. Think, I think I probably thought that we were going to go somewhere. Oh. But, oh, no. you know. oh, this is turning into a sad story now. No, it was a good one. No, that was a good one. <laughs> but that was but, a good one. He okay. was very pretty. Yeah, okay. I wasn't going there thinking I was picking up a guy. It was the crossing. Okay. That was the okay. bar I was going to to be amused by, you know, toothless hobos and whatever. It's like I I love that place. <laughs> <laughs> um and so like do you remember then hearing about it closing were you still going to the place then or had you stopped going there it shut down sort of briefly and then it reopened with the same owners the one of the owners their initials were dj and it reopened as dj's and i went back when it was dj's and it was like they put neon up and it was like they tried to clean it up a bit and it wasn't the vibe wasn't quite the same but so, some of that was like the bars around it changed a little bit too and so i think that kind of changed like the block changed somewhat and by that time it just wasn't it wasn't the same isn't it fascinating that that can happen like a lick of paint change of name one little thing changing and suddenly it's yeah. like oh this isn't fun anymore it's like they they tried to get a little bit more respectable and and you were like i'm just out just kind of yeah <laughs> you know it, and it's weird how if it had been a straight bar that was that level of skeezy i would never have been comfortable there i would have thought it was disgusting but because it was a gay bar it was i was totally fine it was exactly where mm, I wanted to be. Mm, mm. But it does, it's, it is really, really strange how I'll look online and I'll look to see what, what the local clubs are now. And I don't even, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just because I'm an old fart or it's like, they don't look like I would have wanted to go there. It's not that I don't want to go there now because I don't want to go anywhere now. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> I just want to, you know, I want to watch Law and Order and go to bed. But I don't think I would have wanted to go there then. Like everything looks, everything's too shiny and sterile now. I think everything is too nice. Nothing's trashy enough anymore. The right kind mm. of trashy. Mm -hmm. Or it's contrived trashy, maybe. Yeah. I think, I think there's a certain amount of that out there that's just like nailing some license plates on the wall doesn't make you 
edgy. You know, it's like, I don't know what you think you're doing. (laughs) These things have to come, 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 you know, naturally. They have to happen organically. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like the cost of everything is so high now that the only people that can get into the bar business or get into these types of, like, open a shop are people with lots of money and a business plan and an idea. And, like, you know, they're not just winging it. They're not just like, oh, yeah, I'll sign this lease and then see what happens. Oh, yeah. That's got to be a big part of it here because Austin is like a city for millionaires now. It is, it's so strange. It's, I mean, we have the reputation of being, you know, like the whole keep Austin weird. It's like, we're the city of weirdos. Weirdos used to be artists and musicians and artists and musicians could live here because it used to be affordable and Mm -hmm. you could be broke and live here. And now you would have to be like 10 people renting an efficiency apartment. I, I don't know how anyone affords to live anywhere in the city. I mean, you, you can't afford to be an artist anymore. You can't mm-hmm. afford, you can't afford to be a student. I don't, you know, I don't know how anybody does it. Yeah. And so that like infects yeah. everything, doesn't it? Like you've got places that sell bubble tea for $15. <laughs> I don't know why I brought up bubble tea. Sorry. It's just, Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's hate on that. Oh, yeah. um, and your nightlife needs to be shiny and exciting so that they can charge lots of money to drink there. But it also just means that that personality and that uh, uniqueness gets lost. Yeah. Um, so let's not leave it on that note. Oh, no, let's um, not. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask, what did The Crossing teach you about yourself? Oh, Wow. Now, that was not a question I anticipated. (laughs) Because I was at an age where I was definitely figuring out how to be comfortable in my skin. I think because I was such an awkward teenager that as I went into my 20s, you know, like once I moved out of my parents' house and, you know, got out of school... And I was just sort of figuring out who the hell I actually was. And I had to be in a place where I was comfortable enough to just, well, let's see. What, what, what if I, what if I dress like this tonight? How do I feel? Like I, I couldn't try on different ideas of who I was easily in other places. But at the crossing, I think I could kind of play around with, Because this was like in the days of, this was like before the club kid idea in the 90s and like people going really, really extreme club wear kind of things. And this was like right before all of that. And I, I had started sort of coming up with going out outfits and coming up with what is my style. And Penny was always very like, you know, he had a pair of little hot pants that he bought in like the little girls department at Ross that he would wear in like a little a little mesh crop top and like you know little fishnet stockings or whatever in Doc Martens and he would go out like that. And so it's like, well if he's going to dress like that, then I have to come up with something. I can't just wear jeans and a t-shirt. I have to come up with something. <laughs> and so I think I felt like I felt like a freedom to just who am I going to be this time? And kind of feel around where feel around the edges of who I was and kind of figure out how how comfortable I could be in a place. And I, I don't know what it says about me that a place that was that trashy, like a place had to be that that scummy for me to feel that comfortable. <laughs> but I guess I think nobody in that place was gonna be judgy of me. And I think that was the number one thing Mm, i needed mm. to find a place where i wasn't gonna feel like oh my god those people are looking at me i have to get out of here that was such a novel sensation to not feel like oh my god someone's looking at me and i think that was uh that was a big thing for me Do you have any memories of The Crossing or clubbing from your own queer scene that you want to share? Well, if you do, please get in touch. I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer nightlife. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find the section share a lost space and tell me all about what you got up to. 
You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Lost Spaces Pod. Make sure you listen and follow Pitney and Amelia's Bitchin' Boutique wherever you find podcasts, and also follow them on Twitter, where their handle is Bitchin' Boutique, and Instagram, where it's Pitney and Amelia. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I have been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and will be releasing songs over the coming year. You can hear the first single, Well Grim Boys, which is playing underneath my talking right now, on all good streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on your podcast platform of choice, or just told someone who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. Thank you again for having me on your show. You're such a sweetie pie. Everybody, if you like this show, I swear to God, go listen to his show. It's fantastic. His guests are so fun. I love it so much. Y'all really, really should go check him out. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a Bitchin' Boutique sticker. Everyone Everyone loves loves stickers! Please subscribe or add us to your favorites wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribers get new episodes first and are also more attractive. Drop us a line anytime at pitneyandamelia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe one day when Pitney gets back, we'll have Kay on and we'll talk about skeezy strippers and buttholes and things over here. What? I don't know what I'm talking about. This is what happens when I try to riff. This is what happens when I try to riff and there isn't anyone to actually talk to. (laughs) Ah!